You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week. Here's your host, Dan Healy, brought to you by at the Miami Heat UK social media network. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I am your host, Dan Healy. We would normally be doing something a little bit different tonight. Well, we would not normally be doing our game day from the UK live pre-game streaming show at exactly this time in this place. But as we play in Atlanta Hawks for about a millionth time in the last week or so, we thought no one needs to hear any more previews about that. So we let's get do something a little bit different. So we decided that uh, the guys that could make it tonight from my incredible stream team, we would do a little bit of a round table, which means what we're going to do, we're going to pod instead of the, do, the, uh, do the live game stream, and we will each come with a question that each of us are going to answer about what's happened for the season, what we see going forward. And it's going to be a bit of fun. So we're coming prepared. Um, let's introduce the cast first. We've got Ollie, Glenn and Bilal. Ollie Rahimi, how are you, sir? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Dan. Looking forward to it. Yes, this should be fun. This should be fun. A bit different. I'm looking forward to it too. Glenn Smith, you look cold, mate. Mate, it's too cold for me. I can't do it. I've got my hat on. I, I'll need a pair of gloves as well, but I've got none. So we'll, we'll do our best. <laughs> Great stuff, absolutely. And Bilal, how are you? I'm doing good, sir. I'm doing good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yes. So uh, thank you for finding us. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, we are doing this live. So please, you know, with, with any of the questions, if you've got your own answer to put in, fire it in. We'll feature it in. We'll talk about it as well. Get involved. That's what we want. If you're watching on Twitter, uh, hello. Thank you. Welcome. If you want to get involved in it, hop over to YouTube, Miami Heat UK TV. And whilst you're there, hit that subscribe button. If you listen on the pod feed, thank you for finding us. As always, you can find us anywhere where you pod, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Podbean, all those lovely stuff. So uh, if you're there and you're on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you prefer to listen, do us another little favour whilst you're there. If you enjoy the show, hit that five-star rating because it helps us with all these Google algorithms changing all the time. Those sort of things bump us up. They make us find more people. If more people are involved, more people get engaged, more fun we have. Sound good? Good. Right, let's get straight into this thing, guys. Um, Bilal, you had two questions. So sorry to uh, sorry to uh, interrupt you uh, just munching along there on some crisps or everything, but um, you've got two questions. So I'm going to start with you. We're going to go around clockwise here. So Bilal, when you finish your mouth on my friend, what's your mm-hmm. first question, bro? So my first question, sorry about that, just, just got back home. <laughs> but uh, my first question was, Ram Adebayo. All about Bam. So the question was, would you rather Bam Adebayo take a leap offensively in the playoffs, for example, averaging about 25 and 12, or would you rather him be a menace on defence? For example, someone like a, some, an impact like Draymond Green had with the Rories a couple of years ago. So, yeah, that was okay. the question. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, so as we said, we're going to ask each ask one question, but Bilal's question then, we're going to do this as so, a so rounding uh, sort of clockwise order. So I will answer first, and then Ollie, and then Glenn, and then when it's my question, same thing. We'll go around in that order, okay? So, um, yes, do we want, if Bam in the playoffs to take an offensive leap, say 25 and 12, or to be a defensive menace, i.e. like a Draymond Green type figure, but then maybe tail off uh, offensively? That's quite tricky because... I feel like we've got sort of the, the 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 keys to be able to deal with either one relatively well. 
whether he takes the offensive leap or he becomes a defensive menace. I think it's actually a little bit... What what I love most about Bam is that it, it actually what he gives us most is he gets others involved. His facilitation, his ball handling, the way that he can he can move other people and get other people involved. I think that's what he's quite unique at. There's not many centres in this league that can do that. But I would say, in my opinion, I would rather him take the offensive leap because I feel like defensively, you've got PJ, Duncan, uh, Duncan, but Jimmy. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to do you so bad there, Duncan. That was a bit harsh. Uh, we've got PJ, we've got Jimmy, we've got Lowry, we've got Morris, we've got, De- you know, there's, there's people that can still fill in on that end. Gabe, of course, how could I forget? Um, so there's people that, that can do it on that end. Maybe not so much on the offensive end. If we lost that 20 to 25 points, if you're saying uh, offensively every game, that's now putting a bit of pressure on people like Caleb Martin, for example, coming in and doing a job because you're always going to expect, you know, teenage digits, maybe early teenage digits from um, from um, uh, uh, Lowry. Butler's obviously going to get you mid twenties. Duncan can be hot or cold. He's either feast or famine. He's either twenty points or he's six points. Tyler will obviously come off and give you some. But I feel like if you if you don't get that offensive punch from Bam, then you're struggling a little bit and maybe not so much defensively. I think that's more more important. So I think, yeah, for me, um, I would go for the offensive end. Ollie, what are you thinking? I, I'm going the other way, to be honest. Um, okay. So like you were talking, saying it about the other people, I think it depends on the others. So if, you know, we've, we'll have Tyler, Jimmy, Kyle, if they can step up to an elite level of offense, then I don't think we would necessarily need Bam to average 25 in the playoffs. Um, playoffs obviously tend to be lower scoring than sort of regular season games and where it's more half court sets it's more defensive um jimmy i think we saw what he was like in the finals he can go and get you 30 or 45 point triple double on any given night um tyler i think as well i think he'll kind of show what he what he did in the bubble but maybe a little bit more now now that his game's a little bit better in terms of being well-rounded and kyle as well he's got that experience and i even though kyle has been brilliant this season and i've been one of his biggest fans. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. I think we will see the best of him in the playoffs when that experience and that championship know-how will really come into it. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I don't think we necessarily would need Bam to average 25 and 12, for example. Um, his his defence is already elite anyway, so to elevate that even further would be unreal, I think. And, you know, Bilal, like you said, like a, an impact like Draymond Green has with the Warriors would be, would be amazing. Um, but then you've also got to think about with with Bam's defense, PJ Tucker, Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin. Don't forget about Victor Oladipo, who's hopefully going to come back fully fit because he was a steals leader. He's been on the all defensive teams, so that group with an improved Bam in terms of defense, I just think will be will be allowing maybe twenty points max per game in the playoffs. Okay, yeah, that's um. Yeah, very nicely put. Uh, well-rounded, solid argument. Um, so it means we're split so far, one-on-one. On one. You're right, by the way, good point to bring up. Yeah, we don't normally see as high-scoring playoff games. So yeah, uh, we maybe not necessarily need to see Bam hitting those sort of levels of 25. But okay, we're split so far. Glenn, round to you. I've got to go for, uh, I'd rather see him take the offensive leap, personally, because uh, speaking from a, a mentality standpoint, I feel if you as a player are putting up some crazy numbers uh, or more efficient numbers on the offensive side, that tends to bring a little bit of a, a scared tactic when they come to the defensive end as well, because you've also got the 
well, he's having a great game on his own right now. Maybe I'll stick away from him a bit. Whether it's on the defensive aspect of things, if Bam, for example, were to start dropping less points, then you probably have the guy guarding Bam drop off a bit, which also I think would affect the players like Duncan and Max who rely so heavily on those tight screens and using Bam and relying on his defender also sticking close on Bam uh, in order to get the shots that they want rather than the rotation being a lot easier for them. So I feel like if Bam could make that step up, start draining his shot a little bit more and have his have his player guarding him get a bit tighter, that only if, only frees things up for the other players on the team that we've got that love to drain those threes. On the defensive end, it would be lovely to have that that extra push from him. But again, with some of the players that we've got coming in now with with Caleb putting up the stuff he is, I'd rather see that that spread a little bit a little bit more evenly, whether as we know Kyle's not the type of guy to go and do 25. But if you could rely on Bam to go do that, I think that'd be a huge addition for us. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's mad, really, when you think that it was only really a year ago that he really didn't have any sort of genuine two-way players. Now we've got so many. We've got people that can really perform elite levels on both ends. Um, so that's why... It's, it's a difficult one because it, 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 whatever way you decide to throw this argument, you feel like there's backup there either way. So it's going to be interesting. Okay, so uh, Bilal, it was your question, but do you have your own answer as well? Yeah, sorry, Oli. I'm, I'm going with the 25 and 12. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree with uh, Dan and Blen's points, basically. Um, to take that offensive leap will put us in a much better situation. You saw last against the Bucks, he was really passive. Jimmy struggled a lot against an elite level defensive team. So if Bam was there to to take over, I don't see anyone beating us if, if Bam starts going and getting 25 and 12 overnight. And he will always have that defensive presence. And as well, PJ Tucker's there with him. Dwayne Dedman's a spark off the, off the bench that can do, that can kind of replicate his uh, room protecting. So I, I, I'm going with the 25 and 12. Okay, right. So, uh, yeah, three and one uh, voted on uh, an offensive elite BAM taking a leap there. But, um, Ollie, your um, your argument is not dismissed whatsoever because you make good, good points. So, yeah, good stuff. Great question, Bilal. Thank you very much. Round to me then. This is my question. Um, I'm going to ask the question and then I'm going to explain a little bit first before your answer. So, my question was, the Heat have the best depth in the NBA. That's not me being a homer. That's not me being biased. If you don't believe that, then that's what, what are you watching? The Heat have the best depth in the NBA. It's not even close. Um, but come playoff time, what would you rather have? Key depth or top heavy superstars, but with trash role players, i.e. the Nets? Okay, so what I mean by this is um, obviously relatively simple, but the Heat, as we know, in the playoffs, your rotation will split down to really about eight men maybe nine, but eight men really are going to play the bulkier minutes. So when you look at Miami as a top, as their starting five, which we know four of them for sure, let's just say Duncan is the fifth because we know it's been max recently, but let's just say it's Duncan. Then that means sick man Tyler Hero obviously is going to come off the bench and do your job. You're going to have Dwayne Dedman coming in doing bad minutes. Then you're going to have um, Max Struess because he's playing more minutes than what um, uh, Duncan is. So let's just say it was Duncan at starting. Max Struess is going to come in and do that job. Well, there's your eight. We've not talked about Oladipo yet. He's going to come in as a two-way punch, you know, um, all-star caliber level player. He's going to have a say in the playoffs. Make no doubt about that. That's nine. Caleb Martin, pfft, 10. We haven't spoke about Gabe. We haven't spoke about Markeith Morris and so on. So what I'm saying is, 
does it matter about depth in the playoffs when it gets so streamlined? So in with that respect, would you rather be a Brooklyn Nets who have two top five, top six players in the world? They've got the best basketball player in the world playing for them. They've got another elite star in Kyrie. And then you've maybe got, you know, Patty Mills, great role player, really like him. After that, that's it. We're seeing already when there's injuries to Brooklyn, they're struggling. They're about to no KD for a couple of months, perhaps. We could see them drop down to maybe a third, fourth, even fifth seed. Who knows? Okay. So by the time it gets to playoffs, would you rather have that top heavy elite players that can take the game and win you the game? And they've got three of them that can do that, but knowing that everything else is not very good. Or do you have Miami's sort of depth where you can you can rely on anybody to walk in and make an impact if you need it all the way down the bench? Ollie, what would you rather have? I think this one's really tight. Um, you can make a good argument, I think, for both sides of it. But I think purely for the fact that it's what we have right now, plus also the fact that if you look around the rest of the East, the rest of the East tends to have those two or three top players. And they are top heavy, like you said, with Brooklyn. They have that with KD, Harden, Kyrie. Obviously, Kyrie's availability in the playoffs is questionable. But um, Philadelphia is the same. Embiid, uh, Milwaukee's got Giannis and Chris Middleton. A lot of these teams have incredible top players. And then, like you said, their depth is kind of lacking. So, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards keeping keeping it as we are because I think our depth is our edge against those teams. And we've shown that against the record that we have against those teams this year because we've got one of the best records. Well, I think we actually have the best record intra-conference in the East yep. um, and we have done brilliantly well against those other top-tier teams this season. Um, I think there's no... Not that there's no point, but I think it's, it's, it's more beneficial to have a bench full of people that can contribute rather than two or three superstars, especially in a time where we don't know one game to the next who's going to be available, whether they're in protocols. Injuries obviously happen at a regular occurrence anyway. So I think if you look at Heat's roster, you've got Bam, Jimmy, Kyle, Tyler and Victor Oladipo. Arguably, you have five players there who are all-stars, really. And then, like you mentioned about depth, you then have six, seven, maybe eight players that can contribute legit minutes and be productive in those minutes. And we've seen that over the last six weeks, eight weeks, while we've had key players out. And being able to have players that can come off the bench and probably outscore an opposition's bench in stretches where the superstars will be resting, I think over a seven-game series, I think that's a lot more beneficial because players like KD, he's what, 32, 33? He's not going to be playing 48 minutes a night for seven games. So to have that depth and to be able to rely on different people to provide you with a boost when your better players are out, I think that's of more benefit than having some superstars. Okay, great stuff. Very well put once again. Uh, compelling argument for the depth. Uh, Glenn, what are you saying? I've, I've got to back Ollie on here because I first of all put a question out to you guys. Do you think that the general trend that has occurred with, as you say, having the eight or nine players that you play in the playoffs, do you think that's a coach's tactical decision or do you think it's enforced? Do you think that most coaches just don't trust the guys further down their bench to be able to go on and, and do the job that they want? 
I, th I think in most cases that is probably right. I think that when when you're playing playoffs, maybe not in the early rounds. I mean, you know, most most early rounds you're going to see done either in four or five games, especially when it gets to the semi-finals, finals, and if you get there to the finals. I mean, you look at Jimmy Butler against uh, the Lakers in that incredible game five. I think he rested for about forty-eight seconds, mm, something yeah. like that. So you put your best players on the on on their best players, and you go right. You're you're the superstars. You're the ones that earn the big money. You go and duel it out. So we're a bit lucky in that sense. Is that we've got players that can do things that can be productive and impactful the way down. Um, but yeah, I think that it's basically that everyone just says right. This is this is the this is the money time now. You go and earn it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's that's the situation that teams have been in in the past and generally still is the consensus. But I, if you look, let's say, at a matchup between us and uh, and the Nets, you've got PJ Tucker, who you could just stick on KD all game. KD, uh, PJ gets in, in trouble, you put Caleb on him. And we've got a bench like that. So rather than throw away the, the sort of progress you've made all year with these guys who are coming and, and done a job for you, they, they can still be there. They've got to understand that, yeah, cool, you might not get the same amount of minutes, but you know what? Be ready to come in, guard him heavy, and I don't care how many fouls you get because we've got a bench that can fill in in the same way that we've done all season. And yeah, if if I was the coach, that's that's the that's the route I'd be going for just because, again, you've built it the whole season doing this. And I think that to have that stark change going into the playoffs would be like, hang on a minute, we've lost a bit of our identity. So that yeah, I, I'd go depth all the way. I think it's much better. I think what one thing you mentioned just a minute ago, Glenn, like about coaches not necessarily trusting their end of bench guys. I think that's that's what Spo has. He he trusts everybody on his bench, even down to UD. Like he knows that whoever he calls on, like you were saying, will just give him minutes that other teams don't have. Stay ready, so you haven't got to get ready. There we go. Exactly. So two exactly. votes, two votes for the depth. Bilal, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree on this one. I'm gonna go with the depth, like. Um... What was mentioned, that is what makes us different to the rest. Um, like like Oli said, a lot of them are top heavy, but then when it goes down to the rest of the roster, they're not. They won't be trusted in the playoffs. But here at the Heat, you can literally trust, like you said, one to fifteen. Maybe not KZ, but one to fourteen. But so <laughs> um, you see what I'm saying. Like I think the depth here is really important for Heat this coming playoffs. And like like Ben said as well, if someone gets into foul, foul trouble, then we can plug someone in straight away. Whereas another team might not have that luxury. So I'm going with the depth as well. Okay, so three for the depth. Boys, it's a sweep. It's four for the depth. I'm with you all. Um, look, there'll be people here, there'll be non-Heat fans that maybe look at this and go, no, you know, the Nets are the clear favourites to to win this. Well, not clear favourites, but they're the bookies' favourites to win the championship for a reason because they are superstar heavy. But when you've got so many things that you can do to add, to, you know, to deal with those problems... And if, if someone, if Jimmy does need to sit for, for four or five minutes to get that rest whilst he, he then comes in for crunch time for down, down the stretch, um, we've got people that can come in and do that because that's where a lot of games are won and lost. When your superstars go to rest, we say out in commentary every time, right, Giannis is resting, KD's resting, this is the time you eat, you go feast. Well, not necessarily with the Heat because they can, they can rest Jimmy, rest Carl, rest Bam, and you know you're going to continue to get production. Our bench will outscore your bench. So, um, yeah, it's a sweep. There we go. Four and, and oh, great question, Ollie. Um, Glenn, your question, my friend. 
Oh, sorry, I was just going to touch on that as well. We've got a case study that's prime in, in the 2020 finals where you've lost two of your biggest players and we collapse. Then it's all yep. on Jimmy Seldes. So yep. I think that's where, especially for Spo, he, he'll have learned his lesson from that. Yep. So, Great point. Um, my question was, um, out of the five like key undrafted guys we've got on, um, you've got Caleb, you've got Omer, you've got Max Struess, you've got uh, Duncan Robinson and Gabe Vincent. Out of those five, which do you think has the highest ceiling or the biggest potential to become an all-star, whichever way you want to put it? Okay, um, Bilal, you're going to ask for answer first. But before you do, I can't believe, Glenn, I can't believe you've done UD like that. <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> I love UD as much as the next person, but uh, his he's, his ceiling is his ceiling. And uh, that's, that right now is the end of the bench. <laughs> Okay, Bilal, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, the five undrafted players, who do you think has the highest ceiling slash all-star um, credibility about them? That was a really, really good question by Glenn. Um, but I'm going to have to say, I'm going to go Caleb. I'm going to go Caleb. We've seen this season what he can do when our best player is out, basically. You've seen him emulate Jimmy. You've seen him in this culture, learning from proven vets, championship winners, I feel like he can take his game to the next stage when he gets the right opportunities. It might not be with the heat, unfortunately, but with the right opportunities, I feel like he can elevate 100%. So I'm, I'm going Caleb. Okay. Yep, Caleb. Um, that's a good vote. I think that when I look at this and think, I don't think there's any anyone there. I think you'd have to really, there'd have to be something quite incredible happen to see any of these players become an all-star. I don't think any of them are quite going to get to that level. Who knows? Who knows? But I don't see that. In terms of the highest ceiling, um, I think the only two that I would maybe say there isn't an argument for would be maybe Duncan, I think, is probably at his limit. Maybe we've already seen his limit. And fair play to him. He's an undrafted player who's now getting paid 17, 18 million pounds a year. So he has done wonders, but I don't see another leap. And therefore, we're not going to see... We've, as I said, we've seen this ceiling, which is a good ceiling. Um, Gabe Vincent, um, again, has made me eat my words on more than one occasion this season. And I'm, I'm massively, massively proud of what he's done as a Heat fan. To watch him become a garbage minutes player, somebody that frustrates you, that you don't want on the on the, on the the court, really. Just, um, just sort of waiting for the minutes to finish. He's now become every part a part of our rotation. But again, I think that the ceiling is maybe there. There could be a bit more improvement. Maybe with more game time, we've seen it. Maybe there's another level, but I don't see it being much better. Omar's the one that's a, a, a difficult one here because he's only just getting started and what we've seen is incredible. Absolutely incredible. From what we saw really from, from Summer League um, and then coming straight into the NBA and thinking... You know, this kid's too raw. This is too soon for him. Well, look what he's done when he got his chance. He got a dozen or so games, 15 or so starts there. Um, and he's, he, people are calling for him to start. People are, are calling him, some people are calling him for to start ahead of Bam. You know, it's <laughs> stupid. That's how, it, that's how crazy it's got with Omar. So his ceiling is unknown. But I then say really it's between Max and Caleb for the ultimate say here. And I'm going to back with Bilal here. I'm going to say Caleb has probably just got that little edge extra where Bilal summed it up perfectly there. Your best player can sit or not be in and he can replicate that for you without any real dent of impact. And that's pretty massive. So my long-winded answer 
is uh, is Caleb. Ollie, what are you thinking? Yeah, again, that's a really good question. Um, I think you guys have both made very good arguments for Caleb, and it's hard to it's hard to disagree. I think um, Max as well. Uh, Dan, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I think disregarding, not disregarding, but Duncan and Gabe are. We've seen their ceilings. I think Gabe. The only thing that he's missing is maybe consistency in that in that production, which he started to show recently. Um, but I think, and it depends on work ethic. It depends on how his career pans out. I think it's I think it's Omer, and I'm trying not to be reactionary with obviously his his recent his recent games and stuff. Um, I know he's very raw, as you said, but honestly, I see. I see his game. I see a little bit of Joel Embiid in the way that he plays and his his style of play. Um, and I think his ceiling could be, obviously I'm not saying anywhere near Joel Embiid level, but he could be a very dominant centre if he, if he wanted to be. Um, he's shown how dominant he can be in those games that he started. Um, I think he averaged nearly 15 points and 14 rebounds in, in those 10 games while Bam was out. Um, he had a plus minus, I think, of it was nearly 70 in those games and was the first rookie since Shaq to, to record at least 15 rebounds in four straight games. And you don't just do that if you're going to fall by the wayside. I think he has the potential there to be really dominant and probably the highest ceiling out of those guys. It just depends on the work. Um, I just think, you know, if he does dedicate himself and show what he has done so far, if you think about where he, when he started the season to where he is now, his development has been has been astronomical. So if he can continue that, he could be a really elite centre. Um, I think it's worth mentioning Max as well, because to me, I think he's next on the list. Um, I know Coop wrote a, a really good article for the Heat uh, recently. It was about Max and Gabe and noted how the Heat development programme saw that Max's ceiling was Joe Harris, but some of them thought that he was already there. And I would agree. I think I think Max is Joe Harris level. Obviously, he doesn't have the consistency over the course of years to emulate that three-point shooting. But his overall game, I think he can be a very good, if not great, NBA player just from his shooting alone. So if he develops a bit more of an all-round game, which we've seen in parts, then his ceiling's pretty high too. But but overall, I think for me, it's got to be Omer. Yeah, well, as I said, Omer, Omer's like, is the wild card here because he's, he's only just getting started. And it's going to be one of these ones where we can only take it off face value on what he's done. And what he's done has been elite. And if he continues to develop, he's in the best place for that. Um, you know, this could be one of those sound bites that could come back to haunt me in a couple of years because you don't know where it's going. But you know, if, the ele- if that ele- if that elevation and that you know that work ethic and and what he's shown already continues to rise, he's he's got he's got the ability to to have that all star caliber. Who knows? And I mean, this could he could be nothing. He could be a bust in the end. We don't know. But what we've seen from him so far, yep, I, I, I don't think it's outrageous at all to say that the highest ceiling of those undrafted players will be Omar because he could be, he could be huge. He could be. Glenn, um, it was your question. What's your answer? So I, it's very similar to you guys. At the top for me was either Caleb or Omar. And um, I put down Max and Duncan as sort of having the same sort of ceilings as they're already kind of hit it, into, especially in terms of Duncan, in my opinion. I think that what he lacks on the defensive end can pick up slightly, but he's certainly not going to turn into some, to some clamp overnight. So you kind of, push him away. Gabe's a great player. And I, as you say, I hope he adds that consistency to his game con- like on a regular basis. Uh, but again, one of the older guys out of that bunch. So it comes down to it. And I think Ma- I think Max has a ceiling of, as you said, uh, Ollie, of a sort of Joe Harris or a Kyle Corver style player. Um, mm-hmm. 
can certainly push that. But in terms of the raw talent to actually get you right up there to an all-star caliber player, there's only two, and it's it's Omer or Caleb for me. Caleb has shown points so far this year where he kind of looks like a Jimmy Butler Jr. And it would be nice to see him continue that push. And uh, who knows, maybe get rewarded with a contract in a couple of years' time. I hope he stays with the Heat as sort of a thank you for for sticking an arm out for me and I'm doing the same for you. But with Omer, he's 23. He's he's Turkish, which I think is is a great thing because as opposed to guys like Joel Embiid who come from... Um, where's Joel Embiid from? Ghana? Cameroon. Cameroon, that's the Cameroon. one. Yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah Cameroon. Um, the general quality of like international basketball there is much lower. Um, fair enough, they've got far less opportunities. But with a country like Turkey, who's got bright history in things like Eurobasket and in the Olympics, he's going to have a great time eating at those tournaments too and learning learning lots from that as they're uh, against like the Slovenias, your Spains, your Frances. He's going to have that extra opportunity, whether it's the guys like Caleb, who are American, then they stand no chance of making the USA roster. So they miss out on that added all-round experience that I do, I do think comes from that. Um, so yeah, for me, Omer, has, he's, he's young, 23, same age as me, which is quite embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but his his ceiling is, is truly unknown. And with the comments of people like Shaq from the other day, uh, who clearly knows what he's looking for, it, I'm excited to see where he can go. Yeah, it was a brilliant question, mate. Really good, and I'm gonna I'm gonna poll it after this episode because I want to see what the wider audience uh, think. But uh, yeah, there is a case to be made, um, definitely for the two of them. Um, yeah, no, really good question, excellent stuff. That was uh, interesting. Bilal, finish us off, mate. Final question. This one is trade related. I understand. Yeah, so I'm gonna rephrase it a bit. Um, so the question was that mine in Washington, Bradley Beal, um, if he was to become available and asked out. Would you trade for him with the centerpiece being around Tyler Hero? Okay, so interesting one. Now, the thing is with Miami, it's a real strange sort of trade sort of scenario with this at the moment because we've got um, three guys on huge money Jimmy, Bam, Kyle, all earning late 20s to early 30s and rising. They're also all untouchable, but there's a big chunk of your money there. You've then got Duncan, who's on your 15 to 18 rising. So there's your tradable asset, as we know. Probably the most expendable player on the, on our team as well. We've already made replacement in Max Struess sitting there, ready to go. Then you've got PJ Tucker at 7.5 million, makes probably the, the best value of contracts in the league. He's up there in that conversation anyway. So there's no way I'm throwing him into any sort of conversation like that. And then your Tyler Hero, as we know, is going to be commanding big money very soon. He's still not eligible right now. So he's still on this rookie deal and about $4 million. So at the moment, there's no money there. But you know that there's an all-star caliber player, young player sitting in the wings who has got almost like a Bradley Bill light at the moment, So, but could develop into that player. And then the rest of your team is on vet minimums. So it's a real difficult one for Miami here to try and make any trade happen for anything that, that's at su- that sort of superstar level. Because you might be able to get somebody like um, you know, a piece that might help you compete by trading, you know, Duncan and uh, maybe one or two uh, like uh, of these young players or these um, these uh, vet minimum players um, to go and get you somebody that can make you useful right now. But if you want to get a Bradley Bill, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson would have to be involved, and then it will probably have to be PJ. So to make the money work, but ignoring all of that at the moment, just for answering your question of Tyler Hero centered around that trade. 
Bradley Bill is one of my most favourite players in the league. I love watching him. I've watched quite a bit of him um, this year. Uh, and he continues to impress me every single time. I love what he does. He's so, very, very good. Again, again, we've seen it today. We've seen him being very loyal again, coming out with more comments about him being loyal. He wants to do something in his team that, that had drafted him. At the end of the day, Bradley, that's lovely to hear. But the limit to Washington is a first-round exit. That is their limit at the moment. And it doesn't seem like it's going to change. So how long does that wear on you before you become available and push this move? But right now, oh, it's hard for me to say. I'm taking Tyler Hero at 22 years old, just yesterday. Happy birthday, Tyler. Um, you, that no one Would anybody here be surprised if Tyler Hero in two to three years is, is averaging and becoming Bradley Bill numbers? No. Everyone's no. shaking their heads. No. So I'm keeping the youngster who knows and loves Miami and could develop into that soon. It's not a project. This could happen soon. This could be as quick as next season. Maybe we start to see him taking that leap. So again, a very long-winded answer. Sorry. <laughs> but I would reluctantly keep Tyler. Oh, can't believe I just said that. Um, Ollie, what are you thinking? Um, to be honest, I pretty much agree with everything you said. Um, so my gut reaction was no. Um, like you, I love Bradley Bill. He is probably one of my favourite non-Heat players in the league. Um, it's obviously no secret that he has wanted out of Washington at some points. Other times he decides to be really loyal. So that's a bit of a, a bit of a brain tease for everyone. Um, and I think that Miami would suit him a lot as well. Um, I know, Bilal, you, you asked us about Duncan as well. I, I do believe at some point down the road that Duncan's contract will be used to facilitate a trade. Um, I can't see him being in Miami for the duration of that contract. Um, but a deal that facilitates around Tyler, I, I think it's it's got to be a no. Like Dan said, he, he turned 22 yesterday. He's already at an all-star level. He deserves to be there, in my opinion. Um, he probably won't be, which I think is a little bit unfair because if he was starting and he's averaging much better stats than a lot of other guards in the East are. Um, he's, yeah, I mean, Pat loves him. He's already all-star level. I think they see his ceiling as well as being a Bradley Beal, if not if not at that level, then pretty near to him. And I would agree. Um, and even though I know the Heat are in win-now mode, I think giving up Tyler significantly reduces that win-now ability because the impact that Tyler has for Miami coming off the bench is what makes that role for him unique. And personally, I don't see any way that bringing in Bradley Beal for them to for him to then come off the bench, he's not going to want to do that. Um, but I personally, on a wider scale, I can't see any moves happening, to be honest, for Miami. I think I think this is the roster that we'll go to for the rest of the season and the playoffs unless we can get someone on a, on a buyout. But no, I think Tyler, like you said, Tyler's ceiling is high. He's got, what, six, seven years on Bradley Beal and he's already showing promise that he could be at that level. Yep. Okay. Good stuff. So two zeros. I'm in agreement with you. Um, Glim? In the interest of keeping this to be short, sweet and not a broken record. No, keep Tyler in South Beach. There you go. Nice. <laughs> and short and sweet. Love it. Yeah. I think me and Ollie sort of have wrapped it up quite nicely. In that <laughs> sense. So Glenn, short, sweet. <laughs> Love that. But now what would you do out of interest? Uh, I'm, I must say, I think I'm moving him. You're moving in, no love lost. Yeah, I mean, look, look. I mean, there'll, there'll be a lot of people that will be in agreement with you. This is Bradley Bill we're talking about. He's an elite, elite player. Um, exactly. So there's, there's, it's not outrageous. 
I think I feel like there's a there's a big gap on the defensive end. Bradley Bill is actually such an underrated defender. I, I he I'm agreeing with you guys. Apart outside the Miami Heat, he's probably is my favorite player, and he absolutely fits the team that we're trying to build around. Um, Jimmy Butler and Paul Lowry's window is really short and is really closing in. So I feel like if we want to win now, that's the move to make. If we want to win now. Okay, yeah, and but then that would that would then mean it's got to be Tyler because that's your centerpiece, yeah. Duncan to make the money work, and PJ to make the money work. No, oh. they're not. Yes, it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. I think if you if you do that, then I think if you do that, if you centre it, Tyler, Duncan, PJ to get Bradley Beal now, I think then that that pushes um, back to I think it was Dan your question that we will be top heavy then and we won't have that depth. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's more levels to it, but there is. Opinion. Yeah. Again, interesting question, but yeah, for me, um, yeah, if it's that much, no, as much as I love you, Brad, you can um, stay in Washington, getting that play in, challenging for that play in and bouncing out in the first round. Ollie, I can't believe I did you dirty, man. I completely went round <laughs> and missed you out. I'm so sorry. Ollie, no what is your question? Finish this off. Well, yeah, it's nice. It's a wrap-up question. It's nice and simple. So, if the playoffs were to start today and the Heat were to make it out of the East, who would you most and least like to face from the West's top four? So, at the moment, that is Phoenix in one, Golden State in two, Memphis in three, and Utah in four. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. So, uh, Glenn, around to you. Um, who would you most like to face, least like to face out of Suns, Warriors, Jazz, and Memphis Grizzlies? Tough one. Uh- I'm a lot less worried of height this season as I have been in the past. Um, so for me, straight up there, the most like uh, would be the Utah Jazz. Um, I think Rudy Gobert could be quite really put off by the fact that we've got, again, the season Omez had, the uh, the strides Bam has made, and, and Dwayne Dedman only gets more and more consistent with each game. Um, and then they've got depth after that, but by no means are they the Suns. By no means are they the Golden State Warriors. And um, by no means are Memphis is, yeah, really young team there. Looking, looking positive things going forward. I don't, I don't really play it, like playing that either. But um, I've got to go least like I'd like is the Golden State Warriors. I think with Clay back, the team they already had, the the season they already had without him back was was getting dirty enough as it is. So. Anything but Steph Curry for me, and yeah, most like would be the Utah Jazz, as I think we're a bit stronger against them now. Yep, okay, fair enough. Bilal, what are you saying? Yeah, I agree completely with Glenn. Um, Utah Jazz, we, we destroyed them twice this year. One was without Jim, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm not worried about them at all. Um, and the least likely is Golden State. Um, like you related to your question at the start, they are very deep. That is a very, very deep team. We haven't even spoke about James, James Wiseman the whole season. So he, he's due to come back. So that's the team that I 100% want to avoid. But the least likely, I mean, the most likely to out, that I want is definitely Utah Jazz. Yeah, I um I am in agreement with you as well. I mean, fuck the Jazz. They won't even get there. They're not even. They're, they're, it's, it doesn't even matter. They're, they're not. They're not even included in this because they won't even make the finals. So uh, they're the bottom of the list by a long way. Um, just not even considering the Jazz. Um, the rest of them, there's a case to be made for all three. Memphis worry me because they're young, fast, athletic. They've got one of the, well, no, not one of, they've got the most exciting player in the league playing for them. Um, 
they're full of confidence. They've got this real, I want to say culture. They've got this bond. They've got, you know, they're, they're a good, a good ass team. Memphis Grizzlies do worry me, but the, the inexperience would probably hamper them. Um, the Suns are a bit like Miami in the sense that they've got a nice mix of young, um, veteran presence, solid defenders, um, and and people that can go and get you a bucket. Uh, they've got that all, really. They've got a very, very well-rounded team, hence the reason why they're the number one team in the league right now. But I think we match up quite well with them. I think we can match up. I think we've got all the, all the stuff to handle what they can do, hence the reason why we blew them out the other night without a couple of our best players. So in a seven-game series, that would be brutal, but I think we'd overcome them. The clear answer for me is definitely Golden State. Definitely Golden State. I think that it's incredible, really, the bounce back. They've they've had the, um, you know, any team that's got um, Steph Curry in it is a worry. As you said, Bilal, Wiseman, great player. Haven't even spoke about him this season. Um, the role players have really stepped up and now they've got Clay back. Um, there's no real way of defending them. Over a seven-game series, I think that they will probably be the biggest worry. I think that I don't think that's really outrageous to say at all. So, uh, yeah, the Jazz don't count. Fuck the Jazz. Um, Warriors. That needs to be warrior. a tweet, man. That needs to be a tweet. I just want that <laughs> as a one-liner. <laughs> yeah, okay, so we're all in sync here, Ollie. We're all saying no to Jazz as the easiest and, uh, and uh, the Warriors to be the biggest threat. What were your thoughts? Yeah, it's a clean sweep for the Jazz. Um, I'm not going to elaborate anymore, but I think they're the Tottenham Hotspur of NBA basketball. Um, they <laughs> Apologies to any Spurs fans, but they are all the promise and then it gets down to it and uh, nothing happens. So, um, so yeah, Jazz is the easiest for me. Um, in terms of the, the hardest matchup and who I'd least like to face, obviously the Golden State Warriors are there, but I am leaning towards Phoenix because I think that we match up almost piece to piece yeah. perfectly. So you've got Kyle against CP3, Jimmy on either Booker or Mikhail Bridges, Bam on DeAndre Ayton, and then PJ on Crowder. Like They've got a very, very well-rounded squad. Um, and I think with their finals run last year as well, I think they'll have a little bit of little bit of a chip on their shoulder from that. They've got a little bit of that finals, recent finals experience. Um, which obviously Miami does as well, but not all of the, our current roster was was a part of that. So there will be a bit of a learning curve. And we do have a lot of young and undrafted guys who maybe haven't experienced that before, whereas Phoenix obviously have, and it's quite it's been quite recent. Um, I think their record this season isn't to be sniffed at. Um, but as you said, Golden State are Golden State. They've won, what, fourth? I don't know how many championships in the last six or so years, but it's a ridiculous number. And when you've got someone like Steph Curry on your team, it always gives you a chance. Um, so for me, it's tight between them. Um, but just for just for controversy's sake, I'm going to say Phoenix. Yeah, no, I mean, as you say, it's not outrageous at all. You, the, you know, when you look at the matchups like that, a seven-game series there is 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 popcorn, absolutely popcorn. That's uh, that's brutal. That's a brutal series, and they're the number one team for a reason. As I said, the record is outstanding. Um, not an easy thing to get through at all. So, uh, yeah, great stuff. That was really enjoyable, guys. I really enjoyed that. We're going to do this again. We'll try and do this again. Maybe when when the playoffs start. That'd be good fun. So um, I hope everybody else enjoyed it as well. Whilst you're here, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to Miami Heat UK TV. If you're watching on the pod, um, if you're listening rather on the pod and you're listening on Apple Pods, when you finish this, 
Thank you very much for listening. Now go and give it a five-star rating if you enjoyed it, of course, which I'm sure you did because it was great. Uh, we'll see you next week. We're supposed to have Jeremy Teche on this week, but if you follow Jeremy from Bally Sports, you would have seen that he has had a ridiculously busy week. He's interviewed Caleb Martin. He's been interviewing Florida Panthers players. He's been guesting on other stuff as well. So he will come back to me, but it's not going to be this week. Hopefully next week we'll have Ethan Skolnick from Five Reasons Sports on the show as well, uh, and we will revisit uh, the Jeremy Teche uh, chat soon as well until then guys thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you soon take it easy you've been listening to heating up the uk be sure to subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify and google Podcasts to ensure you never miss a show also go give us a follow on twitter instagram and facebook by finding our page at the miami heat uk and subscribe to our youtube channel miami heat uk tv for our latest shows and fun content that's your miami heat from across the pond covered thanks for listening